Hello and welcome to our Voice of Wealth podcast. My name is Charlotte de Capoisson. Today, Ed Shing, Global Chief Investment Officer of BNP Paribas Wealth Management, is with me today. Hello, Ed. Hi, Charlotte. Today, we're going to discuss the future of transport, a very interesting topic. Pre-pandemic, there was incredible growth, particularly in air transport with rising passenger numbers. People were incredibly mobile. We all know that holiday consumption has collapsed due to country borders being closed in the wake of the coronavirus. So, Ed, my first question has three parts to it. First of all, what effect has the drastic reduction in travel had on the global economy so far? The second part, I would like to know what the lasting effects of COVID-19 are, and also um, what will rebound to pre-crisis trends? Wow. Okay, Charlotte. So three things. Firstly, what has the effect been in economic terms? Well, it depends which country you look at. Uh, but the effect has been quite dramatic, particularly in those countries who um, base much of their domestic economy on international tourism. So, for instance, if you were to look at Dubai, Dubai obviously markets itself as an international destination, particularly for European tourists. Well, that has been hit very, very hard. Um, the hotel industry there is basically at zero. Uh, similarly, you could look at countries such as Spain or Italy, where again, they welcome a lot of international tourists. And that has been a huge problem, particularly in summer 2020. Um, so I think the, the effect, at least last year, was quite dramatic. Now, of course, as we come up to the summer season this year, the question will be, will it be the same? Or will there be reopening of borders in time? That's going to be the question. Now, in terms of um, looking at what's been impacted and what might rebound. Well, I think what's been clearly very heavily impacted is number one, commuting. So people aren't going to the office every day in general. Um, if we take the example in France, for instance, here at BNP, we're allowed to go to the office roughly one day a week maximum. So that means four days a week, at least we should be working at home. So clearly commuting has been cut for us by at least 80%. If you think about business travel abroad, that also has been cut to almost zero. So what we saw pre-pandemic was business travel on the rise, as with air travel generally. Now, the question is, is that going to come back? It certainly has been cut. Is it going to come back? I think it will come back to some extent. And this is a very good argument. But I don't think it's going to necessarily come back to pre-pandemic -pre levels, at least not for a long time. Because I believe that companies, having seen the benefits of the cost reductions on travel budgets, will not want to reinstate those travel budgets back at pre-pandemic levels. They will allow them, obviously, to rise, but not to pre-pandemic levels. So I think business travel will continue to be impacted for quite some time. On the other hand, consumer travel, as in households, I think will want to travel again. There is huge demand. People are so fed up of the lockdown, so fed up of staying at home. They are desperate to holiday, whether it's domestically or, or, or internationally. And I think they'll take what they can get. But I think there we can expect um, we can expect travel volumes to rebound really very quickly once the lockdown restrictions are gradually eased. Mm. And before the coronavirus, even though people were incredible, incredibly mobile, as we've seen, for others, the need to travel was diminishing as a result of smartphones, video conferencing, online shopping and home-based entertainment. 
So, Ed, what is the future of transport, in your opinion, and where are we heading? Well, I think it's difficult because clearly, um, if we're to look at uh, commuting, one would argue that the work from home has actually been pretty successful for those people who can. Now, let's not forget, not everyone can work from home. There are some uh, professions and um, occupations that can. There are many that cannot. I mean, if you're in the construction industry, how can you work from home? You need to be on site to, con to do the construction. If you're building a house, you're building a house. You have to be on site. So there are a lot of jobs, particularly more manual or industrial jobs, where you cannot do it from home. Obviously, more white-collar jobs, you can work from home more effectively. But even then, I think there are questions about the social implications, long-term mental health implications of working from home all the time, which I think is actually quite unhealthy. So I think that people are desperate to get back to the office um, and will be back at the office, maybe not five days a week, but several days a week because they miss the human interaction. And there is something about physical meetings which you cannot replicate with, let's say, Zoom or other video conference facilities. It's just not exactly the same in the long run. So I think, um, yes, work from home will remain a trend, but uh, there will be a progressive return to the office. And I think people have gone too far in assuming that people just will never work in offices again. I think that's rubbish. I think people will, and I think people are desperate, actually. Just as they're desperate to go on holiday, many, many people are desperate to work in the office and meet their colleagues physically and go for a coffee or chat by the water cooler. They miss these small interactions. I know I do, and I'm sure you do too. So I think that is something that will come back. In terms of the future for transport generally, I do think the sharing economy will continue to accelerate. So this is the idea of ride sharing. For instance, we can talk about... Um, uh, renting bikes with the like the Velib system in France, or for instance, Uber for ride sharing in cars. I think that continues to grow and you will see more and more of that going forwards because people may say, well, I don't need a car if I live in a city, but I still want to get around. And I don't necessarily want to be taking public transport all the time, particularly with the lingering effects of the coronavirus. Clearly, you don't want to be in pr close proximity to other people if you can help it. So from that point of view, I think ride sharing, either whether it's using an electric scooter, an electric bike, or ride sharing apps like Uber, services like Uber or Lyft, I think these will continue to grow in popularity, um, as will actually people commuting in their own cars. We've seen huge explosion in demand for second-hand cars of late, again, because people are wary of public transport. They want to go back to work. They don't necessarily want to take public transport. And in many cases, employers are trying to make parking facilities more available for those employees who want to come to work. And with climate change on many governments' agenda, let's look more closely at green transportation. You mentioned a few just now. Um, now, do you think we are shifting towards zero pollution with the various new regulations underway? And what will the new green means of transport run on? Well, I think I think it's it's an unstoppable force. And uh, what I've been quite what I've been particularly impressed by is not so much the growth in demand for electric cars and hybrid cars, which we know about, but actually more electric scooters and electric bikes. E-bikes have been absolutely massive. So it's quite clear that people are considering all many many different forms of private transport, not just cars. Uh, in particular, the e-bikes and electric scooters. Now, of course, e-bikes, to some extent, are, are boosted, for instance, in countries like France by subsidies. So there is a government subsidy element to this. But nonetheless, this also fits into the government's aim to promote healthy living. Again, because, again, even with an e-bike, you're still pedalling. 
So you're getting some exercise. Maybe, of course, when it gets tough going uphill, you, <laughs> you, you, you lean on the electric assistance, the electric motor to assist you. But nevertheless, you are pedaling and you're doing some exercise and you're getting also some fresh air. So from those two points of view, it's actually quite a healthy occupation, a healthy way to get to and from work. Occasionally, you might get wet if it rains, but I think that's just a, you know, that's just one of those things we have to get used to. But ultimately, there will be and there continues to be huge growth in electric vehicles, not just cars, but I think also in terms of uh, bikes and scooters. I think that will continue because I think that's very convenient for people, you know, because you can arrive at the office without being sweaty. That, that's a very important <laughs> point. Um, however, however, the interesting thing is that lithium-ion batteries are not necessarily use, uh, so useful when you talk about heavy trucks or buses. And there we may need to look at different uh, fuel clean energy solutions such as hydrogen power via fuel cells. And I think that is perhaps a much more viable long-term technology, particularly for heavy duty vehicles, where you need the extra power, particularly for public transport, particularly for, for, for lorries who need to go long distances. Because again, range anxiety with electric cars remains an issue. You worry that if you're going on a long journey, you're going to run out of juice before you find a recharge point. Now that will be solved because um, we are seeing the investment in electric recharge points and an electric recharge point network in many, many countries in Europe and also in the US, for instance. So that is happening. China as well. Actually, interestingly, China is seeing the greatest growth in demand for electric vehicles of any country by far, by a factor of three or four even. So it's massive. The biggest electric car market in the world today by far is China. And that's because the government has made a huge push to encourage that. And so I think that trend will certainly continue. Um, the other thing I think we can expect to see in air travel is perhaps some rationalization of air travel. Because I think, um, again, you have to balance off the personal liberty of being able to nip, a, nip away for a weekend to a foreign destination. But you have to think about your carbon footprint as well. And I think that is something, it's a bit of an ecological disaster, air travel, particularly when you're talking about short holidays. So I think that may need to be looked at again. And people will need to balance off, you know, the, 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 the fun element of going away for a, short, for a short break against the carbon footprint that that creates. And I'm not, I, I, I don't know. And this may be a reason why people will favor in future rail travel more or perhaps domestic tourism more. Uh, as opposed to flying here, there and everywhere in future. Mm. And my last question, is transportation an attractive sector to invest in? And if so, what are your suggestions? It depends what you mean by the transport sector. If you're talking about airlines, I would say uh, there may be one or two airlines that will recover very strongly, like, for instance, the low-cost airlines. But in general, I would not want to be investing in airlines because that's typically, over the long period, has been a good way to lose money as Warren Buffett's pointed out himself. However, investing in future of mobility solutions like electric vehicles, fuel cells, and so on, I think that is a very interesting growth area. And it's something you can buy into via, as an investor via funds or ETFs. So there are a number of solutions in that area. Or, of course, you can buy single stocks that, are, um, that benefit from, uh, for instance, battery technology. So there are also many funds that look at battery technology. So I think there are a selection of investment products, whether you're talking about single stocks, funds, ETFs, and so on, that can target the growth in the future of mobility. Okay. Thank you very much, Ching, for joining us today. Bye. Thank you very Bye. much, Charlotte. <laughs>